If there is one word that could describe this summer in North America, it is this one word, hot. And following that word, in many places, you could add the word fire. Last week was the devastating fire in Maui, and in Canada, it's still bad. The latest fire threatening the Northwest Territories pressing close to the capital of Yellowknife. 6,500 evacuated their homes as one of 236 active fires out of control in the area. One of those fires already wiped away the small town of Enterprise. Seven or eight houses remain, 90% of the town gone. Sheltering at a hotel with others, one man saying, All we can do is pray and hope that the guy upstairs says we're going to let you go this year. 1,100 fires burning right now across the country, most out of control. The smoke impacting great swaths of the U.S. Everywhere, may we all pray to the guy upstairs for deliverance. Welcome to Haven Today here on Thursday. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we are in a series called Let the Prophets Speak. In a moment, we're going to be turning to Psalm 46, one of the most powerful psalms in all the Psalter. And its author makes it even more interesting as he reflects on the prophecy behind a favorite phrase, be still. But first, I want us to go to Dallas, Texas. I want us to meet up with someone who flew into Maui the day the fires broke out. Stacy Madrigal, welcome to Haven Today for the first time. Hi there, thanks for having me. Stacy. you and your 12-year-old daughter were heading to Maui for a girls' weekend with a close friend, but the day you landed, the winds were really bad. The winds were about 80 miles per hour when we landed. So the pilot kind of circled a few times before he landed, I'm guessing because he couldn't land. And it was just the the most horrible landing that we've ever had. (laughs) We lost our lunch a few times. And Stacy, even as you were driving to your hotel, the winds were really kicking up, weren't they? Yeah, um, as we were driving, um, it normally, the, the driver said that it would take about 45 minutes and it ended up taking about two hours because the main roads were closed. Um, but, uh, there was stuff hitting our, our windows like crazy. We couldn't believe it. There was just branches and all kinds of debris just hitting our windows. It was just the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then the electrical poles we kept seeing swaying just like crazy. And there was this one that we had to drive under that kept going from, you know, 90 degrees, 90 degrees down to 45 and back and forth. And I got that one on video and, so we, my taxi driver and I prayed to Jesus as we were driving underneath that, that particular pole that looked like it was going to bust and fall down at any moment. So your driver got you to the hotel safely through Lahaina a couple of hours before the fire came through. When did you realize that that town was in trouble? We noticed it first as we were driving. We heard sirens first, and then we looked off to the right up in the hills, and we saw a small fire with a bunch of emergency personnel and fire trucks right before Lahaina. And so we knew that there was a fire out there and we saw a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke, and but just a small fire. Um, but, and then, you know, eventually we got to our hotel and, and uh, we went out to the beach. I was taking video of the, of the beach and the girls. and I kind of panned around and all of a sudden there's this big, massive, um, like dark brown, black smoke in the sky towards Lahaina. And I said, whoa, maybe we need to go back inside. Um, and I think we just, 
we were really tired. We unpacked, and then we fell asleep. We woke up in the morning and found out Lahaina was gone. Thankfully, the fire never got to your hotel, but you did lose power and internet and cell service, and they eventually even told you to not drink the water, right? Yeah, they uh, announced over the intercom that the water, even the filtered water, all the, the whole water system on that side of the island um, had become toxic. And so they said, don't brush your teeth with it. Um, you can't drink from the filtered water systems that we have all over the hotel. Um, and then they said, if you come down to the hotel, we'll be rationing um, a bottle of water for everybody. And so, and they said, after tonight, we don't know if there's going to be any bottled water left tomorrow. So we went down, we each got our, our small, you know, little 20 ounce water bottle. And I told Julie, I said, we have to get out of here. So you and your daughter and your friends left that hotel and headed to one that was south of Lahaina that wasn't affected by the fires. What did the town look like as you drove through it? Well, what was weird is that um, it looked like a bomb was dropped on the city. It was just completely incinerated, like somebody just dropped a bomb on it. It was terrible. <laughs> and I'm told you were able to check up on your taxi driver. How's he now? Yes, I um, had called him a couple days later. I called him. He didn't answer, so I texted him. Hey, Renzo, it's Stacy, your, your last customer from Tuesday. I just I remember you said that you lived in Lahaina and that you were going to drive home afterwards. Are you and your family okay? And he said, my family and I are alive, but by the time I, I got back from dropping you at your hotel, I, I came and there was no time to save anything, but we lost everything. Everything burnt down. So I've been telling all my family and friends about Mr. Renzo and how don't worry, Miss Stacy. The the, uh, the most important thing is I will keep you and your daughter safe. I promise. So I've been telling all my family and friends. I asked for his address and if he had him in a some kind of a an account where we could send cash. So I'm I'm trying to send him some things. Well, this is so sad to hear, Stacy. But I'm grateful to know that he and his family are alive. I know you and your family are trying to help send him money. Would you mind praying for him and everyone in Lahaina right now? Sure, of course. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We know that whenever two or more gather, that you're right here in the midst with us. And um, we want to pray for Mr. Renzo, my taxi driver, um, who was so kind to me and um, watched out for Addison and I on the way out there. And now he lost everything. Um, but we pray for, first of all, his salvation. And, um, and we just pray that you will wrap your arms of grace and mercy and compassion around Mr. Renzo, his family, and all the people in Lahaina. And um, we just pray that you will provide for them, Lord, and and um, give them, you know, all their needs, Lord. And um, thank you, Jesus. Uh, we just pray that you'll have your way with Lahaina and help help this situation to bring other bring all these people to you if they don't know you already. In Jesus' name, amen. Stacy Madrigal, I'm so glad you and your daughter Addison are safely home now in Texas. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you as well. Mahalo, everybody. This is Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. And in a moment, we're going to look at a prophetic psalm that I think will be of great encouragement to us all. But first, I think we need to hear a song of worship, a song of comfort, a great hymn of the faith. Rock of Ages and the Norton Hall Band will sing it for us. Rock of Ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be 
Listening to Haven Today, I'm Charles Morris, and that hymn, which we just heard by the Norton Hall Band, has been used by the Lord to encourage Christians for so many years now. I'm curious if you've heard the story about what inspired the author of the song to write it. Here's Robert Morgan to share that with us. If you visit England today, there is a particular rock in the countryside with a huge cleft and a very strong tradition that Augustus Toplady sheltered in this cleft of a rock during the storm which inspired this great hymn. He died at the age of 38, but his hymn has followed him, outlived him, and has been called the best-known, best-loved, and most widely used hymn in the English language, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Well, I'm thankful we could hear once again from Rob Morgan as he shines some light on the history of a great hymn. After this program, I want to send you a copy of his book called Then Sings My Soul. He shares the backstories of 150 hymns, including Rock of Ages, in his devotional book that includes sheet music and lyrics so you can sing these great hymns. I believe Then Sings My Soul will help you sing the Lord's praises with a new sense of appreciation for who He is and what He has done in your life. So after the program, please come visit our website to see the book for yourself 
and then make your gift at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us for your own copy or copies to give away at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Now, let's turn to God's Word together. The sons of Korah are not a well-known group in the Bible. Their origins are in the book of Numbers, but we don't actually see them mentioned until later in a very unexpected place. Eleven psalms are credited to the sons of Korah. This is unexpected because of who their ancestor was. Korah, in the Old Testament, number 16, led a rebellion against Moses and against the Lord's decision for Moses to lead the people of Israel. He stirred up dissent. He tried to undermine the Lord and God's people. Korah didn't like it that the Lord had chosen Moses to lead his people. He thought it created an imbalance among the people. Korah said that everyone was holy. No one person should have special access. He thought Moses, Aaron, and Miriam were being arrogant and setting themselves over the people. And people were beginning to listen to him. So Moses intervened. He spoke to Korah. And here's what he said. In the morning, the Lord will show who belongs to him and who is holy. And he will have that person come near him. The man he chooses, he will cause to come near him. A prophecy. In the morning, the Lord would decide who was his. It was a promise. Korah and his crew were disrupting the camp. They were threatening to throw everything into chaos. So Moses laid down the challenge. And that very next morning, the Lord didn't just choose a person. He ended Korah's rebellion faster than it started. The ground under them split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households and all those associated with Korah together with their possessions. They went down alive into the realm of the dead with everything they owned, and the earth closed over them. And that's when they perished, and they were gone from the community. So this was the original Korah. His rebellion ended with the Lord opening the earth and swallowing them alive. This is how the Lord silenced dissent and grumbling. This is what Korah's descendants witnessed as they wandered through the wilderness with the rest of God's people. So it's pretty surprising that they wrote psalms together. It would be easy for them to rebel even more against the Lord and the people, but seeing the Lord strike down Korah struck them in the heart. It changed them, and it led them to reflect on who God is and how God saves his people. When you read the Psalms that the sons of Korah wrote, their experience with Korah's rebellion can be seen in the background. And in the midst of these Psalms, sometimes an amazing prophecy comes through. We called our series this week, Let the Prophets Speak, because so often we are not listening. We know the word, we know the Lord, but we close our ears to the prophets. But the prophets still speak. They continue to declare the Lord's goodness and his grace and his power to save. Korah's sons didn't start as prophets, but through the Lord and by his grace, they became prophets. And that reality comes through so clearly in the 46th Psalm. This psalm is a bold psalm for turbulent times. Our times, everything is in trouble. The world seems to be ripping at its seams. The earth gives way. Verse 2 says, the mountains fall. It's almost as if the scene of number 16 is being replayed before our eyes. It is a picture of calamity as well as disaster. It is in this context 
that the sons of Korah wrote Psalm 46. It opens with a bang. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And then in verse 7, it picks up that theme again. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So, in the midst of trouble and chaos, in the midst of rebellion and uprising, the Lord is still the Lord, God. He silences dissent. He puts an end to wars. And it's here that we see a verse that is so often taken out of its context, be still and know that I am God. I've seen countless t-shirts and coffee mugs with the phrase on it, and it is a beautiful image, sitting before the Lord silently, allowing our souls to be refreshed in his presence. It is a beautiful image, but it's just not what the verse is trying to say. Be still is a command. The same Lord who puts wars to an end and silences dissent is the same Lord who commands us to be still. It means to be quiet, to stop talking, yes, but it also means to stop, to put an end to our rebelliousness. This be still, in verse 10, is issued with the very same authority as well as boldness as when Jesus commanded the storm in Mark four thirty nine. He commanded the winds and the waves to be still. It's not a word of calm, consolation, or gentle persuasion, as beautiful and as true as that image is of the Lord. It is a bold, forcible disarming of a world in turmoil and disorder. The Lord's reign comes crashing in to make things right. And this command comes with a promise, a prophecy. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. This is the prophecy of the sons of Korah. Their father before them tried to usurp the throne. He tried to diminish the Lord in his glory. He tried to take from the Lord what was not his. But the Lord wouldn't share his glory with another. He would be exalted. The nations and the people might try to do that, but he would not let his glory be tainted. The command came with a promise. It sounds a bit military, and in one sense it is. But we would be so mistaken if we thought this was about waging war against flesh and blood in our day. The prophecy is about exaltation of the Lord in the midst of a world in turmoil. That promise will not ultimately be fulfilled until Christ comes back to bring the new heavens and the new earth. But the promise has already been answered as yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us our war is not with flesh and blood. The command to be still is not a call to arms for Christians to go out and harm other human beings. Jesus Christ already waged the war for us, and he did it against the powers and the principalities. He did it against our sin and our guilt. He swallowed up Satan and death in victory. The resurrection ended the war against the Lord once and for all. Death does not have a final say. Sin 
no longer has power. The Lord has redeemed and rescued us from the pit. This is how be still can become good news to us. It was a command that was given in the context of chaos, but now for us who have come to know the Lord in Christ, this command is a call to lay down our petty pride. It is a call to drop our need to be better than our neighbors. It is a call to humility. It's a call to the cross. Be still is a call to pick up our cross daily. And the promise, the prophecy, keeps us grounded in the Lord. He will be exalted. It is a promise. Christ was high and lifted up. He ascended to the Father. He's currently ruling and reigning, and he will return to make all things new, even with all these fires going on in parts of the world, like in North America right now and Canada. He will be exalted. He is God. We can trust in him. We can approach him by faith and rejoice that he knows us and cares for us and loves us. Be still. Know that he is the Lord, and he has won the battle on our behalf. Be still and know that He is God. Be still and know that He is holy. Be still, O restless on the mind. Bow before the Prince of Peace. Let the noise and clamor cease Be still and know that He is God Be still and know that He is faithful Consider all that He has done Stand in Be 
This is Haven Today and a program called Let the Prophets Speak, as Stephen Curtis Chapman led us in a song called Be Still. Well, earlier we heard Robert Morgan share some of the history behind the hymn Rock of Ages. And in his book called Then Sings My Soul, you'll learn about the backstories behind 150 hymns that he has collected that will remind you of God's mighty hand through history. And I know you'll appreciate the way Rob has included the sheet music on the left side and the devotional on the right side that'll help lead you into some precious time with the Lord this summer as you read more of his word and then sing his praises. So I want to invite you right now to come to our website. Take a look at Then Sings My Soul by Robert Morgan. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And why don't you join in with so many others who haven't just ordered a book for themselves and made a gift. They've ordered multiple copies to give away to others who need to hear the power and sing the hymns that are so powerful. You can call us right now if it's easier at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And just as we go, I'd like to invite you to pray about becoming a Haven partner. That's someone who prays regularly and gives automatically monthly to partner with us to share this great story that's all about Jesus. We have some wonderful benefits and gifts for those who sign up. So you can learn more when you call us at 800-65-HAVEN or learn more by coming to haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you talk with a couple long enough, you might hear about how they show their love for one another. Some like to give gifts, others kind words, and so on. But these love languages are not just for couples. In 1 Thessalonians 2.8, Paul expresses his love for the church in Thessalonica by sharing, So we cared for you, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. There's no better way to love someone than by sharing the gospel. Paul telling us that another great way to love others is by sharing our lives. Want to share Jesus? Why don't you invite a neighbor to your home sometime? Grow in your walk with Christ. Visit GetAnchor.com.